Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. The Sharks fall to the Florida Panthers this afternoon, 5-3 to three with your final. We've got live from the tank, Puck Guy and A.J. Strong. Puck Guy, what was the scene like down there this afternoon? Oh, it was a nice, uh, nice afternoon in the Bay Area, but uh, overall, AJ, uh, not, not quite uh, the uh, response you get back from the Sharks. But then again, they have been road warriors, and I'm glad they came home for like a pit stop. Yes. Here we are, live from the tank. Look at it, everybody. Isn't it so beautiful? Uh, look, uh, the Sharks can't win at home in February. It's just going to happen. What are you going to do? Uh, but we're, we're going to see what we can work out for. The, what we, we got two more home games, right? New Jersey on the 27th, uh, Marvel Day on the 29th. Uh, so go Sharks. Dude, dude's wearing 49ers gear. Right on. Uh, so, yeah, this uh, – I blame it on Mike Hoffman, as I blame all things. That's what I do. But uh, – <laughs> Look, I think you can almost give them a pass. Third game of four nights. Every game starting when the sun is out. I don't know what the hell's going on there. Uh, but, look, uh, you know, they got the win in Minnie. They got the win in Winnie. So, uh, you know, F you, Florida. New York, you know, the, that, the, the NBC division, we coming for you, man. We coming. Just saying. Yeah, rough one to get, and uh, they had a they had two teaser goals in this one, Landy, and man, oh man, it was uh, not the prettiest of them all. But uh, you know, what four wins out of the last six games? You'll, you'll take it for this this run. Eric's face describes this game. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> it, it had some bumps. It, it had some bruises. I mean, come on now. Oh my goodness! What, what's the what's what's the chat saying, Landy? Uh, the chat's saying um, <laughs> two yutzes. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Tyler with a possible win versus New Jersey, then auto uh, loss versus Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look tonight. The or gosh, I'm going to add a dollar to the jar already. But uh, this evening's game, it, they just seemed depleted. You know that the team came out with a. Uh, with a definite push in the beginning, but unfortunately, uh, Evgeny Dadnov with his 24th uh, opened up the scoring four minutes, 52 seconds into the first. Uh, Dylan Gambrell, however, uh, tying it up uh, 11 minutes, 30 seconds into that first 1-1. And Gambrell starting to show a little bit of flashing uh, the uh, scoring touch there. What did you guys see on the on the uh, Gambrell goal? Uh, it's two consecutive games for uh, Gambrell to score to uh, get the game tied. Uh, one thing you mentioned about kind of being a little lackluster per se. AJ, you mentioned it when we were when we were chatting uh, earlier today. These guys don't seem like they they are up to full speed, and, and maybe it is the, the the travels, and maybe it's the one p.m. start. I don't know if it's all the day starts. I don't know. Dude, the entire team looked like it had like a collective team man bun. Like everybody just. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you wish you could have, you know, uh, uh, maybe I'll Photoshop AJ in a man bun just to see what it what what would happen. But yeah, yeah no, maybe, I, maybe last game of the season, just a <laughs> but but yeah, Gambrell with a with a nice goal to uh, tie to tie it up. I I thought 
right out in the open. Bad turnover from uh, the Panthers' defense, and of course, Bobrovsky, uh, you know, doing his his doing his Urbe moment. Yeah, no, doing his best uh, impression of Urbe there, and uh, you know, kind of flopped all over, and you know, it, Gambrell was able to deposit it in, and it's good to see him again. Uh, really start to show a little bit of the scoring touch. Hopefully it continues. And this is going to be a, an audition for the young kids going forward. I mean, with the depletion uh, in that forward core, hell, even the depletion on the back end, it's going to be audition season for the rest of, of uh, the go here. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh aj doing his best sharky impression there <laughs> the best sharky impression nice uh, right <laughs> up close and personal way too much all right we'll keep moving along here <laughs> oh my goodness well that would uh round out the scoring in the uh in the first uh one one sharks uh florida all knotted up but going into that second period the the Oh, I, at, I guess at this point, Sharks legend, that would be Mike Hoffman scoring his 22nd uh, on the breakaway, going through on just a little bit of a of a five-hole kind of goal. Uh, I mean, how did he get so open, guys? Did you see where the defensive breakdown happened? Yeah, it was simple. Yeah, the Sharks were playing hockey. <laughs> the, uh, Burns, Burnsy was trying to do a cross-ice pass. Uh, and it got intercepted, and he just got open, and, and Dylan couldn't catch him. I mean, Hoffman has good wheels there, but, uh, you know, not a good look for Dilly, who's who could have played his last home game as a Shark. Absolutely. Dude. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, dude, you're pissing me off, dude. Up your trade value, bro. We know you ain't going to be here in a week. Come on. And at the prices that they're, they're uh, wheeling and dealing, my goodness, that that might that might save Doug Wilson there with the with uh, maybe a first. Who knows? Well, we'll we'll definitely break down the uh, the upcoming portion on the trade deadline and what has already happened with that Tampa Bay uh, little transaction. Um, but we'll uh, we'll tease that one out going into the third period. Uh, Colton Sevior with his sixth on the season. Mulgan and Ekblad with the assist there. It's three one, uh, Florida, and that came in around ten oh four in that third period. However, LeBanc would, uh, you know, make it a little interesting. Kevin LeBanc with his 14th on the year. Brent Burns with the assists on the power play. Just a little bit of a dipsy doodle. Uh, guys, I mean, that seemed like it kind of woke the crowd up just a little bit. Like you said, Eric, that kind of teaser goal. I mean, power play goal, power plays coming around a little. What did you see that they executed well on the power play? Yeah, well, it, it was kind of interesting there. They, they got them passing, moving around. They moved around a bit. Early on, they did not do that worth heck, which was uh, disappointing to see. But then they started moving things around. And, of course, uh, Banker it tips off the Florida defenseman and just arches over Bobrovsky, and it's up and it's good. You know, so three two. This place was getting going again. I mean, not a full full tank tonight, but or today. Dang it, there is another ah, one for the jar. Ah, just go with this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, I know this afternoon. <laughs> but you know, makes it three two. I thought that there was definitely a little more uh, uprising from the crowd after that goal. Look at him uprising. So that's on March twenty first, bro. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, dude, not everybody gets President's Day off. I think this is a bad schedule, to be honest with you. 
<laughs> Should have had the Cuda playing this time and have the Sharks play at 7 tonight, but what are you going to do? Uh, fun thing we had to do, but uh, what time did we get here? Like 10.30? Yes. About 10.30 this morning because there was the grand opening of the Juno Lounge above the south entrance. Had a little champagne toast. We got to see a Juno device that will evidently cool a room temperature aluminum can. What about about 30 seconds, all of a sudden, you have like a nice ice-cold beverage. Um, Call me Amish. I can still use ice, but it was some amazing technology to watch work. I thought that was very cool. But, um, uh, you know, ice is ice, ice, baby, is what I'm saying. (laughs) But, I mean, if you can use that technology to, on a grand scale, and figure out how to make a building colder... To make the ice surface better for a hockey game, absolutely. Uh, chilling a, a beverage, that's that's cute. It's, it's a good start. It's a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe they can divert those resources, chilling the cans to uh, chilling the ice a little bit more. Right. Uh, Anton Strahlman would of course put it out of reach at that point. Uh, with his fifth on the year, Huberdo and Barkoff getting the assists there. Uh, Huberdo had a little bit of a of an incident kind of getting a sandwiched oreo cookie style with his head going into brendan or excuse me stefan nason's elbow uh but he was able to return and he did uh, chip in an assist on that goal uh also auntie suamela would not play the third period was ruled out by the sharks staff uh unfortunate because again that's one of those kids that you look to who you know, really has got to step it up and has to really justify his position in the lineup going into next season. So, you know, it's a string of bad luck for Auntie, and hopefully it's not going to be too long of a of a layoff for him, but we'll see. Timo Meyer. Uh, 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 Landy, they're, they're about to kick us out. So uh, you're going to need to take this the rest of the way. Uh, you have fun chat, be good. Uh, but, uh, if you're in the area, the Barracuda play at 6 PM tonight, coming, coming off a five, two victory in Bakersfield last night, where it was a, you get a goal, you get a goal. Everybody gets a goal game. <laughs> so if you're in the area, come on over. Uh, I think first 4,000 fans are getting that the last piece of the, the third bobblehead in the series. So check that out. Landy, you're going to have to have a, a, take this home. Uh, the blue coats are, are looking at us and wanting to throw me back out on the ice. So Landy, it's all you, but we're good. Okay. All right. All right, boys. Well, <laughs> have a good, uh, good evening. You guys going to catch the, uh, the Cuda game tonight. Uh, most likely we will. All right. Well, Most likely well. if uh, if anybody's in the house, go find uh, AJ and, uh, <laughs> and and Eric. You know, I'm sure they'll be around the uh, the craft brewery stands. If I uh, if I know AJ, that'll be for sure. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. All right, Landy, have a good one. Chat. We'll see you in the chat. Take care, bud. All right, boys, have a good one. <laughs> All righty. Well, it was good to hear the check-in from the boys uh, this afternoon. Uh, you know, unfortunate, but uh, that's kind of how it rolls. Uh, Timo Meyer getting his 20th and really a, 
had that Anton Strollman goal not happened, you know, it would have been all tied up 3-3. However, Timo only gets it to within one goal. It's uh, 4-3 Florida. And then Vincent Chocek with the empty net goal. And that was all she wrote, as my dad likes to say. (laughs) And so the Sharks now fall. I believe this is their... uh, They had won four out of five previous to this, so it's four out of six now. And I think at at this point, everybody kind of realizes that the team is looking to figure out what parts they're going to continue with, uh, continue rolling with next season. I think the team is also trying to figure out who is going to be in the long-term mix and uh, who is uh, trade bait. Of course, there are some uh, storylines being teased out, whether or not uh, Brendan Dillon will be traded at the trade deadline. I think that that's kind of a foregone conclusion, but it's going to be what his value is going to be on the open market. You know, could it have been Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe's last home game as Sharks? That's also a little interesting uh, wrinkle to kind of understand and and figure out where uh, they want to end up with their, you know, last hurrahs of the career. Do they want to stick it out and hang them up as uh, as teal uh, teal members or do they want to try and go chase the elusive Stanley Cup uh, a la Ray Bork? So. It'll be interesting to see that for sure. Uh, we've got definitely an interesting trade deadline. I, I think by most accounts, the trade deadline insofar as quantity of available options is quite low. It, it definitely seems like it's going to be a seller's market. Uh, transactions will be kind of ramping up here you know, any day now, to be quite honest with you. And uh, I'd love to hear what everybody's thinking uh, in the chat as far as what kinds of uh, what, what kinds of ideas that you guys have for trade deadline in regards to the Sharks, uh, in regards to any of the teams uh, that you guys also follow, uh, guys and girls. Um, Rob, I'm in chiming in with Jumbo either goes to Boston or Dallas. You know, it would be good to see Jumbo reunited with uh, Joe Pavelski uh, in Dallas. Of course, there's always the storybook uh, ending with uh, Boston. And it'd be interesting because both of those teams have Stanley Cup aspirations. I think, in my mind, Boston's a little bit more of a complete team. I think that they have the uh, back-end depth uh, necessary to kind of get back to the finals, but it definitely will be interesting because Dallas is kind of all in right now. Uh, Carl asking, what is the date of the trade deadline? That is February 24th. So it is coming up in seven days. Wow. That's, uh, you know, time is definitely flying by. So within the week and again, it's going to be, (laughs) it's going to be, quite uh fast and furious because we've really i mean right now there's kind of a little bit of a log jam here i think we're trying to see where the pieces may fall and i think it's holding up uh the trades in general uh, i kind of teased a little bit on some of the transactions so far and uh, i'm going to pull up TSN trade deadline center because I just love their big board. If you guys haven't checked it out, 
TSN's trade tracker is just awesome. It's kind of always been my go-to. So pulling up on the trade uh, tracker, uh, of course, New York, uh, the Islanders picking up Andy Green from the New Jersey Devils. They're getting prospect David Quinville and a 2021 second round pick. We've also got uh, Blake Coleman, uh, forward Blake Coleman going to Tampa Bay, New Jersey, picking up a first rounder from Vancouver and Nolan foot, uh, the prospect from Tampa Bay going to New Jersey. So that's uh, Blake Coleman to Tampa Bay, New Jersey getting a first round. That was Vancouver's original pick in the JT Miller trade, I believe. And Nolan Foote uh, going to New Jersey. So New Jersey definitely kind of reloading here and restocking for another season. They're kind of in a little bit of a mini rebuild right now. So they're trying to get all the assets they can, but, I think we were all kind of uh, looking between the two trades, Andy Green going for a second and a, you know, B minus C minus level prospect between and uh, and Blake Coleman going for a first round. I mean, Brendan Dillon, by all accounts, should net at least a first round pick and a B level prospect at this point with just the way that these trades kind of uh place the market value of course uh, coming in a little bit earlier on february 10th uh <laughs> pittsburgh finally getting their man jason zucker this had been uh, something that had been rumored for quite a while i mean even going into uh previous seasons i think that this is a player that uh rutherford had always coveted and he finally gets his man jason zucker alex galchenyuk uh, Kalen Addison and a conditional 2020 first round pick goes to Minnesota. And then a little bit earlier, uh, prior to that on February 5th, um, Toronto picking up their backup goalie and Jack Campbell from LA Kyle Clifford also involved in that trade. I think he's reunited with, uh, with Dubas there in Toronto. So, you know, it's going to be quite interesting the way that this all stacks up, because like I said, you know, we've had four trades in February and that seems a little low. So it seems like there's a little bit of hesitation to understand where exactly the teams are going to end up, um, whether or not they're going to be buyers and sellers. Uh, you can just take a look at the game that we witnessed this afternoon Florida really needing to solidify their position to understand where they're going to become trade deadline. Are they going to be standing pat or are they going to be looking and shopping around or are they going to be uh, wheeling and dealing some of their own players because of their positioning in the standings? Excuse me. So, you know, again, it's just trying to understand where these teams are stacking up. And really, we're not seeing a lot of separation in the standings. So there's a lot of teams that really don't understand where they are in the marketplace. I mean, of course, you always have the the leaders of their divisions in Boston, Tampa Bay, Toronto. They're all going to be buyers, of course. Washington, Pittsburgh, and New York Islanders will also be. But then again, you've got that mushy middle. Uh, you've got Florida with 68 points. They're three points out of a wild card spot, two points out of a division spot. You've got 
Carolina, who's who's at 70 points, one point out of the wild card and just two points out of the Metropolitan Division. Uh, Philadelphia is holding down that second wild card spot, but it's very tedious. Columbus as well. They they seem to be a little bit more entrenched, but that's only by, you know, two points. So I think, again, we're, we're starting to see maybe a little bit more separation in the East. But if we go over to the West, it's just a complete logjam. I mean, you've got St. Louis, Dallas, and Colorado all within two points of each other. Uh, St. Louis leading the Central Division at 74 points. Dallas uh, tied at 74 points, each with 59 games played. Uh, the win percentage is a little bit better for St. Louis, but not by much. Colorado, of course, just two points out of the division lead at 72 points, like I said before. Edmonton with 70 points, Vancouver with 69, Vegas with 68, Calgary with 68, Arizona at 68. And then, of course, you got Nashville, Winnipeg uh, at 65. So, you know, look, just going through this, we've got... You know, two teams with uh, within striking distance of the wild card in the West, and over in the East, we've got about four teams in striking distance. So, you know, it's it just seems to be quite uh, a little bit of ambiguity right now, uh, insofar as where the trade deadline is going to end up. Um, we've got several different sources claiming that this might be a more active. Uh, trade deadline however again it's going to have to come fast and furious at this point because there's only a week left uh kind of going through monitoring the chats uh beach boys fan forever really wanting <laughs> to, to grab pavs back on the on the sharks and i'd love to see pavs come back of course but i i don't see how that's going to happen i mean really you just look at the contract the way that it was structured um, in Dallas and you know the Sharks are have cap space now but uh, but of course that's because of the long-term injured reserve and going into next year they're going to have to understand the way that their financial structure is going to go um, we've also heard that there might be teams looking looking for players who are under contract so could we perhaps see more of an established player moved out of san jose it, it'd be interesting to say the least it'll be interesting to say the least um rob iman chiming in on the goaltending jones needs to be bought out at this point uh as much as i hate that kind of contract hit going forward i agree i mean jones is going to be the whole goaltending conundrum that's in San Jose is going to be, in my opinion, uh, the first thing that Doug Wilson's going to need to take a look at uh, during the offseason. I mean, Doug Wilson really dug himself a hole by not addressing the goaltending in the last offseason. You know, this team had posted subpar goaltending a year and a half out of last year so it's been you know an ongoing problem for about two and a half years of just inconsistent goaltending and to not address that going into this season was a big mistake we don't of course we don't know what kinds of of uh, transactions or, or what kinds of um, 
you know, calls he was making around the league. Maybe he was trying to bolster his goaltending. But at this point, it's kind of an indictment on Doug Wilson that nothing was changed. You know, and uh, it's interesting. I was I was speaking to uh, some family members about just kind of what was the idea going into this season. I mean, look, I think that Peter DeBoer definitely deserved to to have his coaching gig going into this season. Um, I think that that was very much warranted, especially with how well the team did going into the Western Conferences, fluky or not, uh, Western Conference Finals, excuse me, but. At the very least, the goaltending infrastructure around uh, the Sharks, meaning uh, Johan Hedberg, and uh, of course we had, I think Corey Schwab is still uh, somehow uh, integrated into the organization. Uh, you know, that should have been addressed at the very least. You know, whether or not that you wanted to bring up uh, Yevgeny Nabokov to make him the full time goaltending coach or whether or not uh, you wanted to add some kind of secondary coaching or or periphery coaching for, for goaltending. I, you know, again, why was that not adjusted in the offseason? Because clearly there had been issues with technique for a long time. Uh, Rob Iman, again, being caught between a rock and a hard place in terms of the Jones situation, of course. Um, Jeffrey... Chiming in with Vlasic has a no movement clause. So Vlasic and Carlson are both going to be players that are going to have to be protected come um, expansion draft for Seattle. And so no moves, just for everybody kind of recollection and going forward, no moves are the only things that have to be protected in the expansion draft. No trade clause. If you have a no trade clause, that doesn't buy you immunity in the expansion draft. You can be exposed. Um, Jeffrey saying Burns has a modified no move. I think that it's a modified no trade. I'll double check that on uh, Cap Friendly right now. But I thought that that was a modified a modified no trade clause. Uh, Rob chiming in again with Maxim Latunov likely slots in because of the Auntie Suomela injury. I totally agree there. I think um, I liked what I saw out of Maxim Latunov. I think he definitely needs to get an extended audition. Um, he's got the tools, especially in the physicality and the size department. Um, he does have a little bit of a, uh, excuse me, um, he's got a little bit of a scoring touch that he showed uh, in uh, college, I think he went to UConn. I think he was a UConn Husky, I believe, a University of Connecticut Husky. Um, somebody check that um, in the chat if you wouldn't mind. But I believe he was a University of Connecticut uh, guy. So Latunov, I think, is definitely an interesting player in the system. I've really enjoyed what I saw out of Alexander True. Uh, talk about a kid who is uh, has all the tools there to be successful in the NHL. Um, but, you know, I think he needs to work on his offensive game. His defensive game is, is quite excellent. And, and, you know, the offense you can teach, the defense, in my opinion, is always the thing that, that forwards kind of struggle with. So having a good defensive forward you know, you can teach the offense. The defense, I think, is definitely the, the part that is more difficult to teach. Woo! <laughs> uh, 
doing this solo, you kind of have to kind of have to get what you're trying to say in your brain before you say it. Not only that, but you kind of get quite parched. <laughs> um, going into next season, uh, Carl's asking about Stefan Nason. Stefan Nason, in my opinion, has definitely earned uh, a contract extension. I think he's one of those guys that is uh, kind of an infectious hitter. So when he's really on his physical game and he's using all of his tools, especially the speed, especially the physicality, he's able to bring an extra layer to the Sharks uh, that only an Evander Kane brings. And of course, because Evander Kane is, is on the shelf right now due to that suspension, and we will talk about that as well. You know, Stefan Nason really adds that sandpaper grit, that kind of of player that's not going to take any nonsense from anyone. California Cruising, good to see you all uh, on the uh, chat as well. Maxim Latunov is from University of Connecticut. Thank you, Felix, for the check there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Stefan Nason, uh, to me, really, uh, really has proved himself and really a nice pick off off of the um off of the waiver pile for sure so i'd like to see him get re uh re-signed i think maybe a million dollar maybe a 1.2 million dollar contract for a year or two uh so let's say two years 2.4 million would be a, a pretty good contract for him especially because you're gonna have melker carlson coming off of the books so you know, Stefan Nason can can take that place there. And I think he's definitely endured himself to to quite a bit of the fan base as well. I think uh, everybody is kind of, of chiming in. They'd love to see uh, Stefan Nason uh, be part of the fold going forward. You know, in the excitement of doing this solo and having the guys on at the very beginning for the check-in, we forgot to do be a part of the show. Goodness gracious, that's going to be another dollar that I'm going to have to add to the uh, to the jar there. But if you want to be a part of the show, please go ahead and hit us up on all of the social media. Of course, you can hit us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, and of course, Reddit. And check out all of the great content that we've got going up on TealTownUSA.com. Uh, we've got Mark. He just posted a, a new article up, and it's really good. I really suggest take a look. Uh, at that um, and really I mean it's just a it's just a great community to be a part of and we're super appreciative of everybody here uh, just chiming in especially on these kind of matinee <laughs> matinee President's Day special that's for sure uh, Patrick Tyler thank you for chiming in as well yes he'd like to see another season out of Nason that's for sure um, Rob Iman also Rob really good on the chats this afternoon um, saying that Shellman he'd like to see Shellman uh, kind of stick around with uh, uh, Nason and True and you know what that sounds like an awesome foundational fourth line um, of course we still have to figure out what Dylan Gambrell is I think at this point he's still an enigma as to whether or not he's going to be a full-time NHLer, whether he's a top nine kind of player or a bottom three kind of player. Uh, because right now I just feel like he hasn't shown enough consistency game to game uh, to really warrant uh, anything higher than a fourth line spot. I'd, I'd love to get what everybody's 
uh, kind of ideas are on that. But to me right now, Dylan Gambrell needs to show me more. He needs to show me more, and he needs to show that he's 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 able to stick as a full time NHLer. So, you know, that's kind of where I see Dylan Gambrell's uh, kind of future with the team right now. It's just kind of shadowed in doubt, and he needs to really use these final what is it uh, twenty one games or twenty games left in the season to solidify his his positioning. I think uh, going into next season, the Sharks are going to really have to understand that they're going to need some more scoring depth. You know, I think they're going to need some more scoring depth, whether that be a center. I'd love for them to get another uh, center, uh, you know, who's able to um, hold his own on the offensive zone. Um and, and so you you wanted to see the next steps from a Kevin LeBanc and the next steps from a Timo Meyer, and I think that they're coming around, those two in particular. But still, you want another established score for this team. I mean, their offensive st- statistics have been god-awful this season. Uh, you know, a lot of it has to do from not generating enough from the back end, but still, I mean, even just the forwards driving play, not good. And like I said the last time I was on here, to me, you know, Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton have given everything to this organization and more. Um, those two, while I love them and, and while they will always hold a special place in my heart, I believe it's time to turn the page next season. Um, you know, maybe they want to do a kind of a, a, a Williams style comeback if the team is having a good year, but it, it's time to turn the team over and really allowing a couple of players to graduate into their spots. Um, I, you know, it, it, it needs to happen and I think it just needs to kind of, I think that this is the organic way it is supposed to happen i think this really had this year has really shown me that those two while we love them and while they're fan favorites it's it's too hard to rely as much on the offense from those two as we have done and it's a disservice to them as well you know those two are complementary players now and they shouldn't be asked to carry as much of a load as they are now it's not fair to them it's not fair to them. Um, uh, Matt Roanoke, uh, or Ron, or excuse me, Matt Ronco, pardon me. Uh, the Sharks need uh, youth to were way too old. Yes, definitely. Um, kind of going and echoing the sentiments that I just had up there. Uh, Carl saying, hope Ferraro sticks around. I think at this point, Ferraro has made a Brendan Dillon expendable. Um, really, Ferraro has has blown my socks off insofar as what I expected of him in the season and what he's brought to the table. This is a kid who never takes a night off, brings his full energy every game in and game out. I mean, the, the kid is going to be a special kind of player, and it will be nice to see him anchor the blue line uh, going forward and uh, into the future, that is for sure. And he's he's cost effective for what he brings, and he's cost controllable for a long time. So, you know, be, uh, so uh, 
Mario Ferraro is definitely sticking around for a lot uh, for a long time. That is for sure. Um, Rob saying DW going to have to find some bargain bin veterans this off season. You know, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that he can trade uh, for some guys who have some term because of the long term injured reserve situation. So trading for a guy who might need a change of scenery. Um, getting him underneath the cap for this season, and w which is the easy part, but really being flexible enough going forward that that he can be part of the uh, team going long term. So I haven't identified individuals who have uh, longer than a year left who kind of have a, that need of change of scenery kind of tag on him. But it'd be interesting to hear what you guys have to say in the chat on some guys that you guys are tracking, guys and gals. Um, that you're tracking and interested in to see that we can get at bargain basement prices. That is for sure. Marlowe's so close to catching Gordy Howell in games played. I, again, if the Sharks are able to retool on the fly as quickly as Doug Wilson believes they can be and getting them back into in contention quickly, I don't mind having a Patrick Marlowe or Joe Thornton around. But they need to be fourth-line players at most. Having them be any more than that, it's, it's again, you're reliant upon 40-plus-year-olds to, to, to have a deep impact in the offense. And this is a young man's game. I mean, unfortunately, Joe, you know, he, he's had such a, in the last four years, it's just been very difficult with the injuries. And you can definitely tell that father time is catching up. His passing has even been off. Excuse me. His passing was very off early in the season, which really kind of started me feeling like, okay, you know what? Joe needs to really kind of take a look at himself and say, hey, can I put the grind in for another year? You know, will I be able to do that? Will my body uh, be able to hold up for another year? Uh, again, you have to ask whether he even wants to be here. You know, whether he wants to try and, and Ray Bork it up and, and go to a team that he's got a legit chance for a cup. And and as, as a player, I want nothing more than having him win that cup in any uniform. Because I, I'm a Sharks fan through and through. And because he means so much to me insofar as what he's done for our, our franchise, I want him to have personal success. That is for sure. Um, and the same with Patrick Marlowe as well. I want them both to have personal success. I want them to both uh, to, to both to, to chase where they think is going to give them the best uh, ability to win the cup. So... You know, that's kind of the way that I feel about that. I don't know how everybody else feels, but, you know, I think you can kind of have your cake and eat it, too. If you do deal them to a couple of contenders and they're able to get their cups and it's, it's allowing, uh, you know, some extra players to graduate and to see, you know, what else we've got in the in the farm. Um, and I think right now the cupboard's a little bit bare, especially if you go look at the CUDA stats. There's not a lot of guys that just jump off the page, which isn't good, you know. And and again, 
on our channel we have spoke ad nauseum about how this team really needs to go through and clean house uh, in regards to uh, drafting and development I we all seem to feel that that's an area this organization really needs to get back to 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 growing um, you know and, and really needs to get back to being able to produce high-end forward talent um, high-end goaltending talent because this this team used to be a goaltending machine it used to be uh, able to to spit out goaltenders uh, and you know when Warren Stralo was running the whole operation, it, it, it was known as a goaltending factory. So getting back to that is is important. So again, just kind of recalibrating the drafting development crew, um, and and trying to find those diamonds in the rough. But I think really hitting in the first three rounds on can't-miss prospects is where the team needs to upgrade the most, in my opinion. Uh, Felix definitely echoing uh, the sentiment in the chat that Jumbo and Patty's loyalty uh, is to San Jose and to Teal. Um, that's for sure. And, and I don't think any of this happens without either of them coming to Doug Wilson saying, hey, look, you know, I want to go try and find my cup, you know, and, and of course, Doug Wilson will, will tell them that, hey, you know, I totally understand this is not a good year here to try and do that. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be coming down to them. I don't think Doug Wilson will just trade them willy nilly. I think it would be, you know, both Jumbo and Patty's coming to him and saying, hey, look, I, I want to go try and chase a cup. Can you can you move me somewhere where I can do that? Um Rob, I'm in again ch uh, chiming in on hoping uh, Cornash and Salchenko are able to bounce back. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty miserable this year um, for both of those guys, and, and I'd love to see them bounce back as well. Uh, Matt Ronco again saying, I've said this before on a different recap, but the 2017 series should have been the time to go full rebuild, get more picks, and set up for the 2020s. Um. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, you can't, you know, you can't fault that observation and you can't fault uh, the way that you're feeling, Matt, because, you know, that could have been a, a very, uh, you know, it, it could have been the start of the rebuild for the 2020s. But, I mean, how do you go about instituting a rebuild when you have the likes of uh, Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle and... Uh, Brent Burns, and this is prior, of course, to, to Eric Carlson coming on the scene, but especially now, you have an $11.5 million defenseman in Eric Carlson. I don't know how any general manager could go up to the highest played defenseman and say, hey, look, you're going to be in store for a rebuild. That's not why he why he came here. You know, Rob Iman chiming in, Hassel Plotner is a win-now owner. That from everything that I've heard, that's kind of the way that he goes. He expects excellence. And I, to be quite honest, I thought it was a, a kind of telling and kind of shocking, actually, that Doug Wilson got the seal of approval so early in this kind of crappy season, um, you know, that he was given that seal of approval to, to go forward and implement this rebuild, retool plan. But you know, to me, if that ping pong ball in the lottery comes out as 
Ottawa first overall based upon the Sharks draft pick, I don't see how Doug Wilson has a job. I, I mean, I don't understand me as an owner. If I own the Sharks with that happening, and especially with a with a franchise altering type player that that are available in this draft, I don't know how you could go back to your fan base and say, "Look, I'm going to stick with this guy who pissed away this draft pick." I I I don't understand that, and so. I thought heads were going to roll to the beginning, but I don't know. We'll see. Rob Iman expectations is the front office will be shaken up more in the off season. <sighs> True. But again, Hasso kind of has already sold the fan base that DW is going to be here for, for the foreseeable future, at least insofar as the coming draft and uh, going into next season. But, yeah, I, I think it was a little too early to give that stamp of approval, especially because we don't know where that draft pick is going to be. And, oh, God forbid, it's gonna if it's first overall. I mean, that that is just – that's a franchise killer kind of, kind of deal there. Um, and why that pick was not lottery protected – you know, we'll, we can only understand and only guess as to why, but, you know, good on Pierre Diorian for, you know, not having that be uh, lottery protected. I'm sure that Doug Wilson probably asked about it, but Pierre Dorian probably thought it was going to be a sticking point. Um, maybe he knew a little bit more than he was letting on insofar as injury prone goes. Who knows? I mean... Of course, as the GM of, of the of the trading partner, you know, you have better access to Carlson's medical history, um, kind of understanding what kind of player he is insofar as um, he's a maximum effort kind of player. He lays his line out. He lays his body on the line out there all the time. Those kind of players are prone to be more injury injury prone. Excuse me. And, you know, I don't know if. I don't know if he fleeced us or if it was kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of deal, but not looking good insofar as where that ended up uh, not being protected uh, in the lottery. And that's for sure. Uh, I mean, all, all, you, all you guys and gals have to do is just run that lottery simulator. And I think it's like third or fourth time Sharks pick number one overall, which falls to Ottawa. And it's just like one of those face palms, you know. Uh, Patrick, uh, oh, thank you for, uh, for chiming in and uh, being with me on this one. I, I really appreciate it. You know, I'm just one kind of fan. I, I'm very passionate. I, I think... I'm more critical than most, but I also try to understand why the moves were made and, and what the idea was behind it. I fell in love with the whole, let's roll Brent Burns out on a defensive pairing. Let's roll Mark Edward Vlasic on another defensive pairing, and let's roll Eric Carlson on another defensive pairing. I thought, look, if you can have a dominant you can have a game plan with those three dominant defensemen out on separate pairings. Oh boy. I mean, I was thinking this was going to be possession city. It was going to be unfair Harlem Globetrotter style, you know, uh, puck on a string kind of deal. And it did 
work for parts last season. I mean, the the Sharks were unbeatable for a 40 game stretch. They they just they were firing on all cylinders and the team was gelling. But you know, the power play I think still has not been figured out in a year and a half of of Eric Carlson or a, or a full year of Eric Carlson still hasn't been figured out. And you know the the defensive regression of a Mark Edward Vlasic I don't think was understood um, to be as as uh, big as it has been. So now you have to put him with Eric Carlson to make him an effective player again. And then of course, you know AJ's large. I mean the the biggest drum that he's got is look. The team lost a complete second line on on most every team in the NHL. I mean, Pavelski, Nyquist, and Donskoy is a second line on practically every team in the NHL outside of Tampa Bay, maybe outside of Washington as well. And how do you how do you make up for just the sheer amount of goals that that was um, shed? in the off season and it wasn't addressed. I think, you know, we can say what you will about it, maybe overvaluing and overestimating what prospects could do. I think that that was part of it, but I also think that that deal that was signed handcuffed the team. Um, you're also, you were also expecting Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc to, fly out of the gate uh, at the pace that they were on at the end of the season last year, that might have been too much to expect from those two. And I think retrospectively, I think we can go back and say those players are good. They're young. Is it too much to thrust the whole weight of the offense onto those guys? And then, of course, you just go into the injuries. I mean, this has been in my opinion, as a Shark fan, the worst season I have ever seen for injuries. I mean, you know, I was there through the Ian Lapierre hit on on Dan Boyle, and, you know, I was, I've was i been there through, you know, Jumbo's knee surgeries, you know, been there through Milan Mahalik's knee surgeries, but, I mean, I can't remember a team suffering so many injuries at so many impact positions. It, it's no wonder the team is doing you know, is doing what it's doing right now. And it is where it is in the standings, but it's just, it's, it's like Keystone cops. It's, it's compounding problems upon compounding problems where you start off with the, with the shuffle in the preseason, you know, we were seeing kids being shuffled in and out of the lineup in the preseason, unable to get their footing because you only have seven, eight games in that preseason to audition players, but you're also trying to work on systems, and you're also trying to work on power play, on penalty kill. You're trying to work on integrating uh, different styles of play. I mean, going into the season, the, the team said they wanted to be more defensively oriented, so I'm sure that they were working on that too. So, you know, you had that at the beginning. You had the, the, uh, the schedule maker just 
pull out a dick move with those three games in Vegas, you know, the, the in Vegas for preseason, then uh, in Vegas, the open, then uh, Vegas playing against you in the shark tank for your home opener, dick move. Um, really, and that's on Steve Hatcher Petros, uh, the guy's uh, the NHL's lead schedule maker. I, you know, I understand that it sells, especially with the way that the uh, playoffs went last year. That shouldn't have happened. That shouldn't have happened. And then, of course, you we talk about the Marcus Sorensen injury, and he hasn't, you know, Marcus has not looked not nearly good enough as he should have. He was expected to bring a lot more uh, than he has this season. So having him injured to start the season, having Evander Kane out, and mind you, let's not even go into Evander Kane and how this player has been targeted by NHL player safety, has been targeted by the refs as, as just a player and basically persona non grata and quite frankly the whole incident with the referee that happened in the preseason was not on him you know he's he's engaging with a Vegas player and then a referee tackles him out of nowhere but it you understand because it's automatic abusive officials it's black and white that's what it is but it, but there was no there was no accountability levied upon the official, which I, I, if you're on the ice and you're on the ice with physical players, I don't care who you are. You have to have your head on a swivel, whether you're an official, whether you're a goaltender, whether you're <laughs> hell, you're even just changing, making line changes. You have to understand where players are at all the time. So, you know, so that compounded things. And I think that the Sharks haven't gotten a fair shake insofar as uh, refing goes because of that. I still think that there is um, kind of a big target around the Sharks um, and refereeing. Um, but then again, that's me with my tinfoil hat on. But, uh, you know, so so again, Keystone Cops, <laughs> Murphy's Law, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Um, and it's just the perfect storm of shitty things to happen, you know, and it's unfortunate. Um, but some of it could have been avoidable, um, had different, uh, you know, different decisions gone down in different ways. And so what do you take away from the season? How do you handicap the season? Do you handicap it based upon personnel? Do you handicap it based upon injuries? Do you handicap it based upon supplemental discipline? That's the hard part. How do you know what you actually have? The team hasn't been fully realized as construction the entire season. So while we're upset and we're frustrated because we know that this team can do so much better, maybe it's unfair expectations on our end because of what has been around the team. But I also think that there is a level of accountability that the team needs to show as well. Whether that's Doug Wilson, whether that's on Brent Burns, who's had a really crappy year, whether that's on an Eric Carlson, who by his standards hasn't had a great year. I think there's a lot of blame to go around. And unfortunately, it just all 
came falling down. The house of cards came falling, falling down in, in one season. And that's the way that the NHL goes. Unfortunately, you can be riding high one season and then the next, the hockey gods just pull the, pull the rug right out underneath you. Um, Rob, I'm in chiming in on the uh, overhaul of the department of player safety. I agree. You guys can take a look at my timeline on Twitter and understand that George Peros is the wolf guarding the hen house. I mean, who who would honestly expect an ex-tough guy to do a good job at player safety? That's that's just it's it's so odd. It's such an odd marriage for that to happen. And and you think, gosh, you know, Gary Bettman with the whole NHL Players Association alumni, um, the whole suit going on with the head injuries, you'd think maybe there'd be a, a scintilla of intelligence in the league office to understand that you guys are going to be put on notice if you're not protecting players more, right? So... What do you go and do? You go and replace Brandon Shanahan, who I thought was the best thing that happened to Department of Player Safety, goes through to uh, Stefan Kintel, who did a good job afterwards. But then you go to George Peros? Like, that makes no sense. Literally. He's not a brain expert. The guy's been hit in the head so many different times. I'm sure he suffers post-concussion syndrome things. I, I Again, the wolf guarding the hen house, I don't get it. Um, there's been some ideas of a committee, um, you know, a committee-based department of player safety. I, I like that idea. Maybe you get a four- or five-person panel of um, maybe brain experts ex-players, ex-officials. I think that there needs to be some officials on this committee too because they've put time in the trenches kind of understanding um, how things are called in the moment, what the, the, the rule book, how it's interpreted and what it's meant to do. You know, so I like the committee approach. I, and, and when you have a committee approach, there's not just a single source of failure. You know, there, there's a group of people making a, a decision. So we'll see. We'll see what comes up with uh, with Evander Kane and his uh, uh, undressing of the Department of Player Safety. If you haven't checked out, out already, go and check out Evander's Twitter. He sent out a uh, statement basically kind of echoing what we have said here. Um, but it needs to be overhauled. Not only does it need to be overhauled um, for players' sake, but it needs to be overhauled for the excuse me for the sake of the league, because they're just another headshot away from getting sued into oblivion. You know, really, you know, it's the 21st century. There has been more of a push towards health and understanding what happens after hockey because you know for these players there is life after hockey and 
you know, all we have to look to is Orion Klo, and that's near and dear to our hearts, and understand how, uh, you know, how much he's going through as a person, you know? And maybe had the league spent a little more time, invested a little bit more money, less invested a little bit in education on how to play the game in a safe manner, maybe that could have prevented some of the hardships that Ryan Klo has gone through. So, you know, that's me getting off the soapbox. Love to hear what everybody has to say. I really appreciate everybody in the comments. You've made my life a lot easier. Uh, just a quick couple of guys. Kreider has been in the rumor mill. Uh, agreed. I think I my, my idea is he's going to be on Edmonton. I, I think... That uh, Kenny Holland is going to do something for that team. Uh, we've got uh, Rob saying he would like to see Bettman removed from the appeals process. Agreed. I think in, uh, I'm totally on the uh, on the independent arbitrator uh, bandwagon for appeals. That's for sure. Um, Claude Julian getting fined for ripping officials. Uh, go Claude, uh, because again, that's another area that the officials need to have some accountability as well. At the very least, they should open them up for media availability so the media can ask, hey, what did you see on these? Why didn't you call it this way or why did you call it this way? Just a little bit more accountability, a little bit more visibility into the way that the officials think would go a long way. So I think... Uh, it, it, it's never a bad thing to have more visibility. That's for sure. Um, Felix on uh, on echoing it, my thoughts on Peros in a little bit more of a profane way. <laughs> uh, Matt Ronco on a surprising fact. San Jose has uh, never gone more than back-to-back -back years missing the postseason. Last time that happened was 96-97. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. Um, and losing is not something as Sharks fans were accustomed to. So uh, it sucks. Hopefully it'll be a quick turnaround. Um, we'll see. Um, great, great reminder uh, to take a look at Felix's uh, a whole uh, series on head trauma, CTE, and kind of life in the NHL after head trauma. Um, he's posted the links up in the chat, so please go ahead and check that out. Um, Chris JWS, Chris, always good to hear from you, buddy. Uh, you know, kind of saying, look, it's never going to happen, the NFL model of consistent player discipline in the NHL. I, I tend to agree with Chris. It's going to take, it, honestly, it's going to take a large civil suit in order for things to change. Because that's how it changed the NFL, right? It was it was the whole court case. That's what got them moving on it. And you know what? It's sad because you just have to trace the money. And where the money comes from is normally how these leagues um, implement change. So if the money's drying up because of player safety, well, then they're sure as hell going to go invest the money that they're losing back into the player's safety only when it affects the bottom line. So absolutely hundred percent agree with you there. Um, you know, and, and also echoing the officiating is consistently inconsistent um, and it's never going to be prioritized. I, you know, I, I, 
I understand Chris's pessimism. I hope it's not that way, but the pessimist in me says he's probably right. But we'll see. Um, Felix on finishing part three of that series for CTE. So, yes, please go ahead and check that out. I believe we're going to start wrapping it up here as we have just eclipsed the hour mark, <laughs> the hour of me kind of chatting away. Of course, this is a, a matinee um, special, so, you know, really doing a, a reach around. We can do it quickly, but I think at this point, you know, it's it's kind of moot uh, insofar as the Sharks are concerned. Um, but we'll just do it for the sake of doing it. Um, okay, whatever. I guess I'll roll the, uh, give them a reach around. It makes me feel better. Have the goddamn coming, Curtis, that you give him a reach around. Well, let's see who's getting reached around tonight. Uh, the Golden Knights are currently beating <laughs> up on the Capitals 3 nothing end of the second period. Of course, uh the Panthers uh beat the Sharks 5 to 3. The Calgary Flames beat the Ducks 6 to 4 and the Coyotes beat the Islanders 2 to 1. That does wrap up this evening's reach around. I can say evening because it is almost 5 o'clock. And again, we've gone through the standing, so really doesn't uh, really do much more for us to go through them again. So with all of that being said, I really appreciate everybody chiming in and helping me out with today's show. You know, it's always kind of difficult to have those uh, those chiming in from the tanks, but then uh, rolling to solo. So really appreciate everybody chiming in and, and helping uh, kind of get some talking points out there and, uh, you know, I really appreciate special shout out to AJ and to puck guy for bringing us the content from the tank. It was awesome to see it. I always love those live check-ins, especially when they got that good mic going. It's, it's good. It's good. So from all of us over at Teal Town USA, thank you so much. If you haven't already, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button hit the bell. Uh, that bell icon will give you a notification as to when we go live. If you're a long time, um, a long time member of the community, you'll understand that we go live after every single Sharks game, win or lose, rain or shine, <laughs> afternoon or evening, <laughs> you know, hell, even some morning times, that, uh, you know, as well. So, you know, we do this for the fans. And again, appreciate everybody for for checking in um, if you want to follow me on my social media um, it's at eric landy across all of the social media platforms as i always say the social media garbage and thanks for checking us out if you haven't already hit us up on the facebook instagram or the twitter so keep it real keep it teal keep it real teal thanks everybody we'll see you next time